two, three. Two, three. I'll yell. <laughs> Got to get used to these youth style ads because they just finish. Have you noticed that? You meant to come down in the music so we all go, oh yeah, okay, it's finished. <laughs> Welcome everyone. Great to see everyone out. It's fantastic. I haven't been here for a little while. I was out at Penrith Church last week and of course we had that slight water problem the week before and um, it was great visiting Mountains Church that day. It was fantastic up there. And, um, but it's great to have you and it's great to be here and it uh, means a lot to me to when I come and we can worship with the church family. I love it. I love it. Amen? Amen. Well, great having the kids in with us. I love having the kids in with us. And uh, there's a bit of a strategy to that, strategy to that parents. And um, I grew up at my parents' feet um, in church. And I've got to tell you, I received things from the Holy Spirit as I did that. I didn't really understand, and I probably caused my mum a lot of grief. But that's okay, and fighting with my brother. But I learned a lot of things. So on purpose, we're actually... Um, loving having the children in the service with us. And kids, I want you to do something for me today, if that's all right. I'm gonna preach about three different people. And I want you to remember what those three different people are or who they are. Is that cool? And don't worry, we'll get along in the message and I'll point them out to you. You've gotta remember them, is that all right? Same with you adults, all right? Get your pen and paper out. That would be cool, cool. I remember it was around about October, November last year. The Lord spoke to me as I was praying about 2022. I like to get a word from the Holy Spirit um, just so that, you know, we can guide and direct the steps of what our churches take. And basically, he just asked me this question, Rick, will my church lead? Will it take the lead? Now, leadership's an interesting thing. It has very many different interpretations. And I think when we talk about church, we need to look at the type of leadership that Jesus did. And that is he served. He loved. He met need. He looked out for people all the time. He positioned himself in a way in which um, others could benefit. And I think that's what God was asking me. Rick, will my church do this? Now, we'd just been through two years which were very interesting, 2020 and 2021, and um, who knew that, you know, we're going to have two floods. We're just a multiplication church, you know? (laughs) One flood in 21, two floods in 22. Not only that, we have, you know, I've never seen so much um, spread of flu in people's lives, and there's a whole big push of getting back into some sort of normality. So it's a very interesting year. And... um, I started seeking that question, God, what does it mean for your church to lead? And I remember sharing with you on Vision Sunday in February about what he said to me. Basically, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause, Rick? Lift up your eyes and see it, Rick. There's a cause, and I think about the world in which we live today, this incredible world, which I love greatly, I love the time in which we live. Sometimes it confuses me. But I love it. It's time for the church, I believe he was saying, was to lift their eyes up and see, isn't there a cause? Take the lead. Lead like Jesus would lead. And I really feel that's what the Lord is saying to his church this year. It's not the time for us just to sit back. It's not the time for us to to wallow. It's the time for the church to dust itself off and say it's time to lead. 
And a couple of weeks ago, I preached a message which was basically a result of a, a vision I saw as a game. I'm just praying this through. And I saw a boxing match where one of the boxers was in the corner. And when you're in the corner of a boxing match with your back against the ropes, you're not in a good spot. In fact, it's not far until it's over. The punching continues and you're at the mercy of your attacker. And God spoke to me again. He says, Rick, it's time for the church to get out of the corner. And I saw this picture of just defending and, and not wanting to get hit too hard. And I thought to myself, God, that's, that's, that's harsh. Rick, it's time for my church to get out of the corner. Yes, we have had some difficult years. Yes, I'm sure, individually, there's been challenges like never before. The church not only physically has been in the corner, but even socially, even politically, it's been a big challenge for the church worldwide. It's time to get out of the corner. No one puts baby in the corner, right? What does that mean? Does that mean we just toughen up and take it? I don't think it does. I don't think the church has to toughen up. It already is tough. I think there's some wisdom that God wants to bring into his church and there's some preparation that God wants to put into us. Read a great article about astronauts once, what they have to do to get into space. And the training, there's years of training. And what they're doing, they're adapting their body so it can cope with what it has to do. Something which was never probably meant to do. Something which was totally out of the box for them, their diet. They had to go in what they call the vomit comet. A plane where they learn how to live with no, with no gravity. They go up, then they just drop the plane. And for a few seconds or so, they're floating around and they call it the vomit comet for a lot of reasons, a very good reason. That's so that they could learn to live in something that their body doesn't want to do, that their natural person doesn't want to do. They have to train for it. And I believe that's what God wants to do to the church right now. I believe the Lord wants to put the church in a place where um, naturally we think, oh, that's difficult, or that's hard, or that's not my personality. Doesn't matter. You're the church. Yeah. You're the church. Yeah. And the world needs the church in the middle of the ring. We're not against the world. We're against an enemy who wants to trash the world. And when we stand to deliver that world through the power of Jesus Christ, we can't do it from the corner. We've got to get out of the corner. Amen? Looking at the Bible, we find two letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Um, Corinth, it's in Greece, and beautiful ancient city. I understand. And um, I love the Corinthian church because they had issues. They had massive issues. And these letters were... Um, really good for us because it teaches really good doctrine. In fact, as believers and the church, we can learn a lot out of what Paul says when he's correcting, he's calling out the church. He's correcting them. He's not nice. He's not a nice pastor, not like your pastor. He's very nice, this one. He's calling them out. And we learn so much. I'm so glad they were badly behaved because we learn what not to do. Isn't that success? Learn from other people's mistakes? Do that. He shares about how is a church meant to behave. 
What are we meant to look like as a church? What are we meant to do? How do we operate? These two books um, to the church of Corinth tell us about Paul's thoughts on that. And I love it. Apparently there was four letters that he wrote. I'd love to get the other two. Maybe they were encouraging letters. <laughs> the, you know the sandwich, the encouragement sandwich? You got the encouragement, bash them, bash them, encouragement. You, know? you see, Paul loved these people. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Jesus Christ. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and with all of your knowledge. They were smart. They were eloquent. In fact, there were a lot of wealthy people in this church, apparently. They, they, lived in a rich, they met in a rich man's house, which was probably the only place big enough for them all together. And he loved them. He said, I thank God for you. You're amazing. But he was writing this letter to call them out. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. <clears throat> Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household, ooh, Chloe's household, have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. How would you like to be Chloe at this point? It's a no, no win, you know. Jesus has called you, or Paul's called you out, and then everyone knows. <clears throat> you see, they were arguing about who was the coolest pastor. Was it Paul? Peter was pretty cool. Oh, but Apollos, whoever he was. Apollos. Apollos was a, 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 a Christian leader at that stage, a good teacher. And um, they were arguing, oh, I'm of, I'm of the thought of Peter, I'm of the... Po uh, the thought of Paul and I, I love I love Paulus, and that's what they were talking about. Like, and Paul saw this as not what's good for a church. Basically, what he was calling out was this: you're acting foolishly. You're acting like the world. Now, I don't think this is an issue for us because obviously it's obvious who the coolest pastor here is. It's obvious, right? Feel the love. I feel the love. But what he was calling out was. You're thinking the way you used to think. You're behaving like you're not even a Christian because that's how the world thinks. That's what he's calling out. Paul's issue was not that they were naughty. His issue was that they were called for greater purposes than arguing who's the better preacher. It's almost as if they were so bored they had to find something to argue about. It's like Australians, when they get bored, they bet on things. Two frogs, which one's gonna win the first? Five bucks that one does, you know. That's bored. Paul was, you know, he wasn't upset at them. He wasn't saying, oh, they're wicked people. No, no, he loves them. But he, as a church leader, he understands the potential of what the church should be. And I want to just maybe say that maybe they found themselves in the corner, arguing, where the devil can make heyday with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apollos is heaps good looking. He's got darker skin, he's thinner, and he can dance like Bruce Gavin. <laughs> Bruce at home, Penny at home, they're, they're not well. You see, the church has an incredible purpose on this planet. And I feel like sometimes we forget how honored we are to be part of this incredible body. The most 
the greatest institution of history, the greatest one. Other institutions come and go, but the church just keeps growing and growing and growing. Oh, don't look into the Western world, look in the developing world. It keeps growing and growing and growing. Always has. We forget that our purpose is much bigger than just this. It's much purpose than any one or two people. In fact, I'd say the church has forgotten that it's actually the hope of the world. It's the hope of your friends. It's the hope of your family. It's the hope of our nation. It's the church. Oh, Rick, do you want the church to rise up and be political animals? No, that's the irony of it all. That's just people with mum and dad bods walking around in life, acting a bit goofy sometimes, but yet we're the hope of the world. Amen? Give me an amen anytime you want if you like. Paul's calling him out. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the other letter, and just have a look over here and explain sort of what his mindset was. 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. And what union can there be between God's temple, the church, and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Remember that was the prophecy over David's line? Therefore, come out from among them, the unbelievers. Come out of the corner and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. Don't touch their arguing. Don't touch their preferences. Don't touch their opinions. That's not you anymore, right? Come out from their filthy, and, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. No wonder he wasn't their favorite. Some people liked Apollos more because he called them out. He was the one who said, hey, 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 hey. Separate yourself from the world's way of life. Come out, come out. In other words, what he's saying is, you should be able to be able to tell the difference between you and them. You should stand out. They may think you're weird, but it doesn't matter. You know, we're all a bit weird. If you don't believe that, just look at the person next to you. They're weird. Lovely weird. So how was the church supposed to come out from them and be separate? How was it? Well, <clears throat> the church, the word church literally means the called out ones. It's an old German word. Kirch or Kirk. It means being called out. This is who we are. We are being called out. And it's uncomfortable. I like getting that ride up into the, you know, the vomit comet. It's uncomfortable knowing what you're about to face. It's not something you really want to do. But when you understand the destiny that's behind it, you're prepared to do it. And today I want to preach this message, uh, uh, a second part of it, part two of come out of the corner. Come on, church, let's get out of the corner. We've taken enough hits. If we're gonna take hits, we might as well get them in the middle of the ring, right? 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses 12 to 16. Now, kids, here we are. Three types of people. I want you to remember them. Is that cool? Verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. 
And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, oh kids, there's a big clue right there. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are, spirit, they are spiritually discerned. In other words, you need to understand the Spirit to discern that. Verse 15, hints, I think this is gonna be another hint. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. I think you change the word judge to understand. The spiritual person understands all things, but is himself to be judged, uh, to be understood by no one. In other words, the world won't get it. Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Then we flip over to chapter three. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Another version says, carnal people. You are still carnal people. Kids, there's a third one. Carnal people. Carnal means worldly. Carnal means not spiritual. Carnal means, uh, yeah, like it's just the way it is, you know? Read again. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly or carnal people. Merely infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready of it for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not, are you not worldly? You are not acting like me, are you not acting like me humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Well, of course we're human beings. But we're not called to be mere human beings. The church is not called to be natural. The church is not called to be normal. The church has a higher calling than that. And he's calling them out here. He said there's, there's natural people. You notice the three different sorts of people? The natural person. They're a person without Jesus in their life. They're a person who, um, well, they could be evil, but they're not necessarily evil people. They're just your normal person who hasn't been regenerated by Jesus Christ. They haven't been born again. They're physically alive, but spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter two says this. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. Turkey it is today. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in sins or transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So a natural person hasn't come alive to God but are still dead in sin, Paul says. It's just their life. We were all there. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of God, of what he expects. And we, the, the natural person is the person who hasn't had that change in their lives. They haven't been what some people say, haven't been regenerated to God. <clears throat> They're usually uncomfortable about spiritual things. They're not born again. They haven't had a spiritual awakening. Within a church, they eventually fall away because the church is more than just a do-good organization. <coughs> you know, a denomination 
um, amongst us, the Salvation Army, beautiful, beautiful people in the Salvation Army. And do you know they started off as a spiritually alive, a spiritually vibrant Pentecostal church with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? But now the world sees them as a good, do-good organisation and they do a lot of good. And churches should do good just by being who they are. Should just flow out of them, right? I don't think the church should be known as a do-good organisation though. You find people who are natural people don't usually hang around much within church because you know, we're more than that. We're more than just a do-good organisation. We're a spiritual gathering. The second person, the spiritual person. Christ is in their life. They're born again. They understand there is a spiritual world. In fact, they see the spiritual world as more real than the natural world. Supernatural world is what they call it. They walk according to Holy Spirit. They are led by Holy Spirit, not just in a worship service, but all the time. Romans chapter eight, Paul wrote this letter to the Roman church. <clears throat> but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, your body, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. If you ever wanna read a great scripture about walking in the Spirit, Romans 8's it. Have a read of Romans 8. Oh, it's my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. It talks about walking in the Spirit. He says, those who walk in the Spirit, they're the children of God. They're the ones who know that. They're the ones who walk like they are children because they're aware of the spiritual realm. Jesus actually said himself, God is spirit and he must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. But we sometimes forget that because there's this natural world that envelops us. In the church, there is the spiritual person. You see, I think it's when you're spirit led, it leads you to those incredible purposes that are just beyond mind blowing of what he's called us to do. You see people's lives change dramatically because they've been walking in the spirit. You think, how did that person do that? That's because it's not them, it's the spirit within them. I remember once um, I had a, a church leader comment about me. He didn't say it to me, he said it about me. He said, oh, oh Rick Burrell, he's a phenomenon. Oh, no, no, an enigma. I had to work, look up what enigma was. I thought he was insulting me for a while. <laughs> He's an enigma. <laughs> of course I am. There's no way I should be able to even get up in front of 120 people and talk. I'm an introvert. I'm shy. Can't even read well. I'm an enigma. I shouldn't be able to lead anyone. It's true. But the spirit of God within me changes me. I want to be a spiritual person. So Paul calls, you know, there's natural people. There are. And if you're one of those, you are more than welcome here. We love you. If you want to take Jesus' opinion of you, he's more interested in you right now than he is us. Because he loves you so much, he wants you to meet him. He said there's also spiritual people. These are people led by the Spirit. They understand God. They follow him. They know what he's about. 
And he goes on, he says, there's this carnal person, spiritually mature. They've received Christ for forgiveness, no doubt about it. They live according, but they don't live according to the Holy Spirit. They live according to the flesh. Now, this does not make them evil people. It's just that they're immature, they haven't grown. They live similar lives to what a natural person would. They're spiritually immature. They have little faith, lives according to what they see and hear in the natural. They're often tangled up in the affairs of this world and I wonder why they just can't get along in life. Because they're tangled. They're spiritually frustrating or frustrated, wondering why they aren't growing as Christians and why they can't see fruit in their lives. Paul calls that a carnal person. Galatians chapter five is a a great scripture. And um, he actually talks about the fruits of the flesh or the the works of the flesh and then the fruits of the spirit. And he's arguing this point that you can live either way. You can live according to the flesh as a carnal person or you can live according to the spirit. God loves you no matter what you do. But... If you're gonna live according to the flesh, this is what happens in your life. This is what's gonna come out, some of this stuff. He says, when you follow the desires of the, your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, it's works. It's stuff that comes out of a life. It's not something you think, oh, I wanna do that. It's not just giving in to temptation. It's something you're just gonna naturally see in their life. And that last thought, these are the people who won't inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to be inherited, everything in it. The blessings, the favor of God, they're in the kingdom. And Paul calls you heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And what he's arguing here, I believe, is all those wondrous things the kingdom has, you don't get them if you're walking in the flesh. You can't get them. You can't even see them. Because you're looking with natural eyes, fleshly eyes, rather than spiritual eyes. But I can't read that and not read the next passage. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Wow. Again, again, if you're just trying to have love, joy, peace in your life all the time, you're actually working out of the flesh. When you're walking in the Spirit, These are what flow out of your life. You can't hide them, they just flow out of you. There's no try, there's no have to. Against these things, there is no law. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Rick's beating us up a bit today. I'm not beating you up. I'm wanting to call you out of the corner. Get you in the ring, fighting. Fulfilling the purposes that God has for your life. The amount of people around my age, who experienced something amazing when they were younger and are now frustrated in life, wondering what they're gonna do for the rest of their life, wondering where it all went wrong 
I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to live this incredible spiritual life, a life which is led by Holy Spirit, the supernatural, a God who loves you more than I could ever love you, a God who loves you so much, and we sung a couple of songs about how much he loves you and provides for you. That God wants to walk with you. No, 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 he wants to walk in you and guide and direct you. We can all be enigmas. Seeing great things happen through our lives. Why? Because the world needs that. You are the hope of the world. God has called you. I'm calling you out of the corner. Love you. But it's not time to sit back and just respond to what happened in the world like a natural person would. That's not what we're called to do. That's what the natural people do. They need us. So which are you? I'd say you don't have to be a prophet to realize I'm talking to all three, whether it's online, here. I'm sure even later on when they watch the recording, I'm sure all three of these people are gonna hear it. So where does that leave us? Well, this morning, if you're a natural person, like I said before, I love you. I just want you to know that God loves you so much that he would send his son to negate your sin. Like he did mine, he negated it. All my sin has been taken away. All the power of sin had over me has been taken, it has no power over me anymore. It can't determine my destiny. Because he paid the price by dying on the cross and raising again. God no longer judges you like that if you have accepted Jesus with faith. Simply believe. It's as simple as that. I believe that Jesus Christ took my sin and I am now free of that. That's all it is. That's the regeneration right there. Holy Spirit comes and reveals who Jesus Christ is to you. Wow. And I pray this morning, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ in that way, I pray you do today. I pray you do today. Do not leave where you are right now without saying, Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you, and I believe that you died for my sin. Are you a spiritual person? This is your time. The world has been waiting for you. God is waiting for you. This is the time to take everything you know. You've had spiritual urges in your life. It's time to act on them. You know what the Holy Spirit's been saying to you. You know what the Holy Spirit wants. It's time, let's do it. Let's step out. Let's go knock on that door, reach over the fence. Let's go and speak that truth to someone. Show that love. Remember, lead like Jesus would lead. How did he lead? What a great study. There's four great books there that talk about how he lived his life. Just read through them. How did Jesus lead? Or just watch The Chosen. Do both, don't just do the chosen. <laughs> or maybe we want to be real and just say, maybe I'm not a spiritual, I'm not a natural. Maybe I'm a carnal. Maybe my maturity is not where it should be as a Christian right now. I haven't grown spiritually. That's what Paul's saying. So he used to give you milk. You should be eating meat by now. That's what he's saying. It's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to really take hold of your call. 
become that spiritual person. You are a Christian. You're probably going to heaven. You're saved. You acknowledge Jesus Christ as your saviour. No doubt about it. I'm not arguing that at all. I'm not going to judge. I'm too scared to judge because then I'll be judged, the Bible says. But I'd love to stop you from being judged. I'd love to stop us all from ever having to be judged guilty. Well done, good and faithful servant. They're the words we want to hear, right? Good and faithful servant. Naomi and I decided early on, before we were married, I think, I think it was probably the condition of our marriage, we will serve the Lord for the rest of our lives. No holds barred. We just go for it. We just go for it. We will serve him. doesn't matter what it costs us. We'll serve him. Now, I don't look back on it now. It hasn't really cost us. In fact, it's done the opposite. It's a blessing, the favour. Because we decide to live this spiritual life. Parents, your children will see which one you are. They might not be able to articulate that, but they'll see it more than I could ever see it. I can't see it all. But your children will. And how they grow will be determined on what they see. And there's the spiritual person you really want them to be. Don't satisfy for your children to be natural or carnal. You want them to be spiritual. The only way to ensure that is for you to live the spiritual life. Going very quiet now. Carnal person, the spirit of God is yearning for you. Listen to this, I found this scripture in James. James, Jesus' half biological brother would have known Jesus more than the other disciples. Would have heard him talk more. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He doesn't hold back, James. Spurgeon called it the cursed book of James. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? He's jealous for you to walk in the spirit. He's jealous for you to know Holy Spirit, to hear his voice, to understand what he's, where he's moving and what he's doing, to see the miracles of God come from your life. Now, I grew up in Pentecost, where I saw so many miracles. Just amazing at church on Fridays and Sundays. It was great. But I, I'm, I'm worried that a bred a generation who thinks miracles are for church out the front here. It's not. Nearly every miracle you see in the book of Acts was out in the marketplace, in the homes, in front of a jail. That's where it was. Why? Because there's all these spiritual people who, who, who would, it just wasn't enough to hear the word of God. It wasn't enough to worship God. We've just got to take this somewhere. God has changed my life so much, it's just got to flow out of my life everywhere. And Paul talks about these gifts of the Holy Spirit that just flow out of people's lives. We think we should be trained on them. We don't have to be trained on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We just have to be with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow. I guarantee you, if I had a seminar, 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 Seminar about how to be trained in ministering of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you I'd have a whole bunch of people come. It's not about a seminar. It's about being a spiritual person walking in the Spirit. 
understanding this Holy Spirit who dwells amongst us now. He's here. When was the last time you sat and listened for his voice? He's got lots to say to you. Understand, he loves you. He wants to see you live the most amazing life that God has already predestined for you. He wants that. When was the last time you sat down and read his word? This incredible Bible that has lasted for centuries upon centuries and millennia and still no one has ever proven it wrong. In fact, when they try to, they end up finding this amazing God. This Bible that has endured every culture, every generation. And it's not only just existed, but has changed people's lives, every generation, every culture. But yeah, we're happy to leave it as an app which falls asleep or a Bible that gets dust. How do you become this spiritual person? Well, you can't do it without the word of God. You can't do it without reading it, saying, God, I need you to speak to me today. Show me something. Got a friend, and um, I'm reading the Bible with him, and this guy, brand new to Christianity, knows nothing. And I'm loving the way he's eating it up. And we're just working our way through John right now. And um, I just love the excitement. He's probably watching online. Hey, mate. And uh, I love the excitement this guy has to want to know more. Have you ever wondered where that went? Where's that gone? Come on, church. Maybe I'm giving a bit of a slap to some people. Maybe you've got to love me, otherwise you don't go to heaven. <laughs> joking, I'm just joking. Theologically, that's really bad. You see, a spiritual person, a person who walks in spirit, doesn't hang on to grudges. They forgive. In fact, they even go further than forgiving. They will love their enemies. Lead like Jesus leads. Yeah? If I'm not doing that, obviously I'm not spiritual in my life enough. And I need to spend more time and allow him to transform my life so that I can be a transformer. Bumblebee. That's how it happens. Me getting to know him more. Walking with him every day. That prayer. You know what? You don't have to read your Bible to be a Christian. You don't have to pray to be a Christian. But you do have to read your Bible and pray to be a spiritual Christian. That's the importance of it. So I'm going to ask you, church. We come out of the corner. Let's get in the middle of the ring. Let's get in the scrap. Let's not let fear hold us in the corner. Let's not, let's, let's not allow guilt to hold us back. Let's not allow preconceived ideas or, shall I say, laziness. How many of us had to work from home for months and got really comfortable? How many of us haven't been to church in the building to worship with other Christians for months because it's really comfortable? I'll tell you now, you need your brothers and sisters around you because they will sharpen the iron. They're the sparring partners. They're the ones who show you where, how you should be jostling and agile. It's the other believers, even the crazy ones, that make you agile. You need the encouragement. You need it. 
Oh, but Rick, I don't feel safe. Since when has the church been safe? Church is not called to be safe. We have a safe saviour. And his hands are around us. Amen? Very quiet. Thanks, Musos. If you would come, thanks. That'd be great. Going to finish up. I just want to read the scripture again to you out of 2 Corinthians where Paul calls out that church. Please understand, he loved this church. He wrote more letters to this church than he did any others. Because apparently there's four. Everyone agrees there's four. I love you, care about you, pray for you all the time. I want to get to the end of our time on this planet with nothing left in the tank. I want to give it all to Jesus. Maybe he'll come back in our time. I don't know. I don't want to guess because there's been millions who have been wrong. I'll just get onto that list maybe. I don't know. If he comes back in our lifetime, I'm not going to be complaining. But I want us to get to the end of these days where I know that every one of us lived an incredibly spiritual life where we saw so many people change just by our existence. What is different about you? What is it? You stand out from the crowd. That's because I came out from among them. I didn't reject them. I didn't leave them. I just came out from that way of living because someone has to lead. Someone has to show something different. And I've worked it out. It can only be the church. It can't be anyone else. It has to be the church. And I don't want to be caught sleeping at this time. I don't want to be caught just sitting down and just taking up a chair. Sunday's your day off, and that's when we come to worship the Lord. But Monday through Saturday, my goodness, there is a mission to take. There's frontiers to break into. By showing love and praying for people and letting them know there's a God who loves them more than they could ever imagine. Let your light shine, Jesus said. Let it shine. Don't hide it. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been crippled. Well, we have a Saviour who's known for His healings. He's known to lift the crippled up so that they can run. He has a job description. Luke 4.18. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to set free the captives, to set at liberty those who are bound, to bring sight to the blind. That's his job description. Remember, will my church lead like Jesus led? Is that, is that our job description? The same spirit that dwells in you dwelt in him. Raised him from the dead. Same spirit. Church, I want to read this to you. And what union can there be between God's temple, the church, and idols. Well, we don't have any idols, don't we? Don't we? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them 
and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Be close to them, love them, befriend them, but don't be like them. And separate yourselves from them in that sense, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, their way of life. It's your former way of life, right? And I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I hope you love me. If you're at home, I hope you love me. Because I've got to tell you, where God is taking our strong nation church, I think is, if he's asking us, will my church lead? He's actually asking us to lead. And I don't think we can do it just by sitting back and, yep, there's been harsh things, but we're not victims. Harsh things said, harsh things happen. Bloods, probably gonna be more. But we're not victims. We can't afford to be victims. We're victors, and I don't mean a lawnmower. We're victors. So I want to pray for us. Why don't we all stand? This is a real challenging message. I had an uncle who used to preach, Uncle Arden. He used to say, I'm about to punch you in the mouth, but keep smiling so I don't split your lip. He's from the country. <coughs> Keep smiling, church. But more than anything, would you please respond? The church needs us to respond. Come on. Now, I'm not wanting you to get busier. I want you to get spiritual. Yeah. I want you to spend some time with Jesus like you never have before. I'm asking you to love your brothers and sisters like you never have before. I'm asking you to gather around and um, to believe together. I'm asking you to go on mission. What does that mean, go on mission? There's frontiers all around us. Yeah. Think about the old pioneers who frontiered into all various parts of the world. Stepped out where no man has stepped out before in places like the moon. They did it tough. Frontiers, let's go there. Yeah. It's, and it all comes down to, why? Because the world needs you to. Yes. So I'm gonna pray for you. So right now, maybe you're a natural person. God bless you. I pray that you would get to know him like I know him. And you would witness his forgiveness and his peace and joy. I pray them over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that your presence will be felt by them right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Maybe you're a spiritual person. Well, Father, Lord, send them. Send them into, Lord God, the darkest places so that light may be shone. Lord God, I pray for fresh revelation over those people. I pray for fresh 
um, um, zeal to pour upon that person right now, the spiritual. Oh, Lord God, awaken the dreams. Awaken the dreams, the visions. Lord God, let them, let them lie awake in bed dreaming about your kingdom, God, God, or seeing your kingdom. And Lord God, what might be ahead for them, I pray. <laughs> yeah. A father, for those who are carnal, they believe in you, they know your forgiveness. But Lord, they don't walk with Holy Spirit. Now friend, if that's you, I want you to open your heart right now for the Holy Spirit to come. I want you to invite Him, the Holy Spirit, God, to come and fill your life fresh today. You need a filling of the Holy Spirit. Come on, just with faith. This is all faith. You can't reason this. It's all about faith. Just open up to Him right now. Holy Spirit, my friend, You are so good to us. Would you just fill all those who have asked you into their lives? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill them from the top of their head to the tips of their toes. Every part of their being be submerged. (laughs) Come, Holy Spirit, flood through them. Lord, I pray they'd have a yearning for spiritual things like you have a yearning for us to be spiritual. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's sing a song.